Welcome to another episode on Penn State's Akisan Chapter Podcast. Today we're exploring a new type of episode in which we hope to expand on in the future as we hold multiple in-person events like this in the past. Today's episode will be about one person and their journey after graduation from Penn State. Without further ado, let's meet our speaker in today's episode. Paula is passionate about introducing STEM to young children. She has volunteered on the boards and organization focused on increasing the number of female and underrepresented students in STEM fields, especially in engineering for the past decade. She was named an ambassador through the American Association of the Advancement of Science for her devoted work in STEM outreach and will be featured in a life-size statue exhibit of a standing woman in the STEM field. That's awesome. In 2020, she named she was named Woman of the Year in Engineering by Women in Technology and a Com- Community Travelize Award winner by Milton Women Mentors. She currently holds a Bachelor of Science and, ba- and Master of Science in Chemical Engineering from the Pennsylvania State University. Currently, her and her husband, Doug, have three children and live in Georgia. Welcome. Yay. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Annie. I'm excited to talk to you. So before we begin, um, I'd like for you to introduce yourself a little bit further and kind of talk about what your current position is right now and who do you work for? And then if you want to mention any of your past internships and co-ops, feel free to do that as well. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So uh, thanks for the wonderful intro. Uh, So uh, my name is Paula Garcia Todd. Uh, I graduated in 2003 with my bachelor's and my master's in chemical engineering. So I came in through the Schreier Honors College. um, And so with that experience, I started doing undergraduate research my sophomore year. So by the time I was getting close to my senior year, um, I had realized that, you know, I had done enough research that I could actually get a master's thesis out of the deal. So, um, so I decided to do it. So I did the integrated undergraduate graduate program, uh, which I know is still available at Penn State. Uh, I'm not going to lie that last year was incredibly difficult <laughs> trying to finish off classes, research, write a thesis, defend it. Super, super hard, but um, but totally worth it. So, so yeah, I um, I've been in a few companies, which I, I think we're going to get to questions about, uh, you know, work experience. But I will share that while I was a student uh, at Penn State, um, I did. Uh, internships, co-ops, and I highly encourage anybody who's considering um, that road to absolutely follow that path. So um, my freshman year, I got really lucky. I actually got um, an internship, a summer internship opportunity with Bayer in Pittsburgh. Um, and then my sophomore and my junior years, um, I did internships with Merck uh, in a couple of their locations out east. Um, at that point, I was starting to really solidify that I, I liked uh, the pharmaceutical space. Um, after my senior year, I actually did a summer internship with Dow Chemical, uh, who ultimately was where I ended up going after graduation. Um, and, uh, and yeah, ironically, after that internship, uh, I, I felt even more confident about my decision to really finish out that master's degree. So I uh, came back for that fifth year to, to finish that out and then ended up going to work uh, at Dow. So today, I actually ironically sit in a marketing role. So I'm a global strategic marketing manager for a company called IFF 
which is International Flavors and Fragrances. Uh, I officially started this company, ironically, last week. <laughs> so, uh, so some things are kind of new there. Um, but yeah, I, I got a chance to work with Dow Chemical for many years. I was, I was with DuPont for a few years. Um, and now I'm entering, uh, you know, this, this new adventure with IFF. I do want to comment real quick about your decision to come back and pursue your master's after your internship and co-op opportunities, because I, I've had internships and a co-op opportunity for my fall of my junior year. And like during that, the experience, when I came back, I was like, I need to finish my degree now so I can go out in the real world because I enjoyed my experiences so much. So I kind of can relate to you on that level, but Right now I'm done with school. Don't know if I want to pursue any type of master's at the moment. I definitely want to get my MBA in the future, but that's another story. Yeah. And so, thank you for sharing your experiences, um, uh, professional experiences during your time at Penn State. And uh, now we're going to pivot to the other side of Penn State. What was your favorite Penn State memory? Uh, so, uh, so I come from a family of engineers, actually. Um, so my grandfather, my father, my brothers, my uncles, they're all engineers. So I was incredibly lucky, actually, now that I look back on it, uh, to grow up in an environment where I was never asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was always asked, what kind of engineer will you be? What kind of problems do you want to solve, right? So it, it was just engineering was a natural fit. Now, trying to decide which engineering major, uh, that was the trickier part. Um, so luckily, back in the day, and still to this day, I think, um, the chemical engineering building is the closest to the creamery. And that may have had an influence because I absolutely love Penn State ice cream. Um, I was known to go in there, get ice cream for breakfast, I miss it. Um, yeah, so one of my very favorite memories of Penn State absolutely is the ice cream. Um, but of course, my whole Penn State experience, um, you know, you come out of the Happy Valley, you know, bleeding blue and white uh, for a reason, right? Everything was great. Uh, you know, everything from the football games to, you know, I'm Latina. So I found a really great community and we go salsa dancing. Um, I had a lot of fun at Penn State. And I also met my husband at Penn State, who's also a chemical engineer. Um, so we spent a lot of time uh, together, a lot of study groups um, and all of that. So really, really fond memories of Penn State. Yes, the new build, we actually got a new building in 2019 when it opened. I don't know if you came back to see it. I haven't yet, seen it yet. It's, all, really it's basically it. all like glass and it's really like modern and it's still across the street, like on, a diagonal from the creamery. So we're That's still important. there at the same location. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now can you comment on what involvement have you been during your time as a student at Penn State? Yeah, so while I was at Penn State, um, I got most of my involvement was really around engineering, right? So I was a sophomore rep for AICHE, and then I went on to be secretary for AICHE for two years, um, you know, which, which was a great experience. I think I, I learned a lot just from having that type of leadership role. So I highly encourage anyone, 
to, to gain that type of experience in any organization. Um, but I was also very involved with uh, the multicultural engineering program, as well as, you know, SWE, Society of Women Engineers. Um, those were also programs where I was highly involved. Um, I also did a lot with SHEP, um, the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Um, I never held any leadership roles there, but I was very involved with activities that they had on campus and so forth. So the bulk of the stuff that I did on campus was very engineering focused um, outside of, you know, fun things like I played volleyball and, and things like that, you know, but but that would be, you know, I would say the, the bulk of my leadership type experience um, at Penn State. And then last Penn State focus question, do you have a favorite chemical engineering course? Um, so I'm a little removed now. So I think the, the classes, I mean, the curriculum's probably about the same. The class names may be slightly different, you know, but um, I went into the bioprocessing option of chemical engineering. Um, again, like I said, after that experience at Merck, I had a good mm -hmm. sense that I really liked pharmaceuticals and, and that's the path I wanted to follow. And ironically, that's the path I'm still in today. I've always stayed within pharmaceuticals. Um, and awesome. one of the, yeah, and, and one of the classes that I took, um, actually it was uh, Dr. Carlson at the time was no longer at Penn State, uh, but he took a group of the bio-related classes and kind of meshed them together into a semester. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a combination of bioprocessing, bioseparations, like the unit op labs, but all very bio-focused. Um, and he created, it was almost like taking those four or five classes all together with the same cohort. It was a small group of us. I'm trying to remember maybe like 15, 16 students. And he made it into like an eight to five type of, you know, experience where we'd come in at eight, you do the lecturing classes, so forth. Um, and then in the afternoon, a lot of the hands-on experiences. And so outside of the actual content of the class, which I really enjoyed again, cause that was kind of my, my interest was heavily bio focused. Um, I also liked that layout because it, it felt closest to what it's like to work, right? And mm -hmm. so when you're in school, I felt like, I mean, it's like 24 seven, right? Like you're studying, you gotta do this, you gotta do homework, you gotta do that, right? Um, but having that layout um, kind of gives you a sense of, of what work is really like. You have a group of people, you have this team that you have to work with. Um, you know, he'd give us like these challenges, he'd give us questions, we have to do research, figure it out. Um, and you do it within this team and you'd kind of do it within like this eight to five setting, um, which was kind of a cool concept. So I, I know that's no longer offered, uh, but, uh, but that was a, a cool and, and different experience that I had. That's awesome. That's great. I don't, I think they got rid of the options now. Cause I know when I entered my freshman year, they were trying to shift everybody to go towards the general option instead of like the specific but they still list like all the different paths on our handbook, but then they're like, don't take it. So <laughs> kind of confusing <laughs> starting off. <laughs> all right, earlier um, in this episode, you mentioned that you started your new position. Um, so would you be able to walk us through um, all the different positions that you have held throughout your career and what type of lessons have you learned from each or overall um, the positions and what type of skills were you able to transfer from one another? Yeah, so 
like it's been a, a long time. So uh, buckle in. I've got about 17 years of experience to, to review here. But so coming out of school, um, the very first class I or the very first role that I had is what I like to call my my classical chemical engineering you know, job. So I came out of school, I went into Dow Chemical. At the time, Dow Chemical was, uh, one of their divisions was in contract manufacturing of active pharmaceuticals. Um, and so, you know, Dow Chemical wasn't doing any drug discovery research. What they were doing mm -hmm. is working with pharmaceutical companies to basically scale up their processes and then produce their products for them. And so, and that was a really neat experience, uh, kind of, in, you know, twofold, having that engineering, like we're taking it from, from lab bench to pilot scale, from pilot scale to commercial scale, right? Like all of that, which is like what we learned in school, uh, that right? That is very fascinating because I know like we learned that in school, like you said a um, second ago, but then like it's so much different like once you're out there because my past um, internship actually, I like... My first in internship was um, at a manufacturing plant, but the following summer I returned to the same company, but I worked in the R&D lab. And funny enough, I was able to work on like the same products that I worked at the past summer. So then I was able to see like on a smaller scale of like how the things work and what type of, so I worked at a, um, a paints and coatings company and my role was making the resin and like the latexes of the paints. And so I was able to see like, okay, what like organic phases, aqueous phases go into mix in like whatever containers, whatever reactors. And then from there on a small bench chemistry, um, a small bench lab, they transferred it onto like a small scale pilot. And then like being able to reflect back on my past that, that's honestly one of the coolest things as a student. So yes, definitely. I wanna uh, second that. Right on. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's, it's cool to see something, you know, go from all those different stages um, and finally get to like this commercial facility, you know, that you've scaled up and, and you're running and operating. It's, it's a really neat experience. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think I learned a lot about, you know, working in teams, um, understanding, the importance of the different functions that go into pulling something like that together, right? I mean, like you, you think of classical engineering, but, you know, it's experiences like that, that you realize the importance of the quality people in the team and the supply chain people in the team and the regulatory people in the team. I mean, it, it really takes a team to, to make it all come together in the end. Um, you know, I would say the number one learning that I got out of that experience is that that to me really solidified the pharmaceuticals was my passion. Um, I loved, uh, you know, the whole experience of, you know, the chemical processing was cool, but knowing in the end that I was, you know, making this product that, you know, was helping a heart condition and so forth like that, I realized was really my calling. Um, so, um, that became my guiding path, which you'll hear, you know, throughout my different steps, right? I've always wanted to stay on that pharmaceutical path, just for me personally. That's, you know, what I really got a kick out of. Um, so from there, um, the the business model is a little trickier when you're doing this contract manufacturing work for another company, right? So especially in the pharmaceutical world, where 
a very low percentage of products actually make it through clinical trials and, and, and become commercialized. And so we were working through a lot of projects um, that really weren't coming to fruition. And so it was a very difficult business decision, but you know, Dow Chemical decided to move away from that type of contract manufacturing work. And um, so from there, I went into another group that was pharmaceutically tied um, where they make excipients. Um, and for folks that don't know, excipients are anything that, that's in your medicine that's not the active pharmaceutical ingredient. So whenever you take you know, a capsule or you know, a, a tablet, there's a, the active, but there are a bunch of other products in there, you know, lubricants and fillers and um, coatings and um, rate-modifying polymers. There's a bunch of stuff. And uh, so Dow was producing a lot of these products. And so I went into that group, um, but at this point, very similar to you, I went back into the lab. So I went into an R&D research type of role. Um, and so that was... That was like a, luckily I had done research in school. So I had some of that experience. So I knew what I was getting myself into, which was something that I knew I would enjoy and so forth, right? But that was also a cool learning that it was like a different perspective. So for example, when I was in the plant making these products, I remember one batch in particular where the particle size was a little bit off and the customer just refused to take it. They're like, no, we can't work with this. Um, and so coming back into the lab, now I'm working with these products and so forth. And I, I remember it like the moment where, you know, we had a particular product that was just giving us issue after issue after issue. And then we started looking at the effects of particle size and lo and behold, particle size was affecting the drug release. And um, so it was kind of funny how when I was sitting in engineering, I was almost kind of annoyed that, you know, like, why won't this customer take the particle size? It's so close. Um, but then like, again, you know, like going back into that type of R&D role gave me that perspective back like, oh yeah. So there are critical factors, parameters, uh, you know, that's why, um, you know, there are process parameters put in place, right? So, um, so yeah, I, that was great. It was great to get back into the lab. Um, but the other thing I learned in that role in particular is the importance of the voice of the customer. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, I was, I came into this R&D space. Um, I was working with polymers and materials that were relatively new to me. Um, you know, I was, I was learning quickly and so forth, but it was, I felt like it was really hard for me to innovate and patent these new, you know, polymer solutions without really understanding the challenges that our customers are facing and how they use the product and, you know, how, how could they see improvement in the products? I was, I felt like I was making a lot of stuff up without having that customer interaction, right? Um, and so, so that was my learning there is, you know, understanding the problem from the perspective of the folks that would be using that end product that you're working on is really important, mm -hmm. um, which led I me into, that. right? Mm -hmm. So that led me into my next role, which is, you know, these roles have different names and different organizations, but for us, it was called technical service. 
Um, and so I basically spent three years traveling across the world, really, visiting pharmaceutical customers and helping them with whatever challenges they were experiencing. So it could either be on the formulation side, like they were having issues um, getting, you know, the the right, you know, uh, drug dissolution rates or whatnot. I mean, it, it, like from anything from that perspective of the actual formulation itself, all the way to manufacturing issues, right? So yeah. for example, you know, like this, this mix of powders isn't flowing. Is there anything that you can, you know, help us with to get this flowing so you can tablet and you can do, you know, all the necessary processing steps. Um, I would say I learned the most in that role. And that role is, hard and frustrating because every day is another problem thrown in your face, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, basically that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're asking the customer, what are your issues? And they're throwing them at you. Um, so super hard, but I learned the most, the fastest experiencing all of that, right? And finally gaining that perspective of the customer and really starting to put the pieces together of, you know, what are the problems that they face? Um, what are the challenges that, you know, we could really work towards finding solutions for them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that was that role. Um, and um, something that I learned out of doing that job is around the importance of building trust um, to really ensure collaboration. So when you're working with pharmaceutical companies, it's very hard because they're very secretive, right? There's all yeah. kinds of IP tied to the molecules that they're, they're working on. Um, there's a lot that they won't share. Um, and so it, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot to really build the right, you know, trusting relationship and partnership to really be able to solve a problem. And so for example, you know, without naming names, there was one particular company, they were experiencing a problem in their formulation that they were finding this impurity, and they felt like it was tied to one of our excipients. Um, and we felt like there was a good chance that it was tied to our excipients, but without understanding, you know, the molecular structure of their active and so forth, it was really hard for us to, to find a way to help them. So over time, um, I, I worked really hard on, on building that trust. Um, and the best way that I could do it in that role was in providing them all kinds of information, as much information as I possibly could, right, without giving away, you know, trade secrets, you know, or whatnot. But I, I found that the more I helped them, the more they were willing to open up and start sharing information. And we got to a point about, you know, six months in this back and forth in relationship where they finally kind of opened their books and shared a lot of really useful data points that allowed us to work to a point where, you know, six months from there, I can honestly say we knew exactly which knob to turn in our manufacturing process that would eliminate their impurity altogether, which was huge, right? So we were able to, you know, every time we were producing product for that customer, we knew exactly how we needed to run it in the plant 
you know, in order for them to avoid their issues. And so in the end, we made them really happy. But as you can imagine, it, it took it took a lot for us to get to that point of, you know, this is exactly the knob returning, right? Yeah, that to is solve a their great problem. breakthrough. That is yes. an especially important one and like scaling up and everything. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So so, you know, I would say that's a big lesson that I learned that, again, I'm trying to build around lessons that, you know, no matter what role you go into next, these are still applicable, right? So like mm -hmm. these trusting uh, relationships are, are really important, mm -hmm. um, you know, so still carry that with me. Build a name day. for yourself as fast as yeah. you can. Yes, yes, yes. So, um so then from there, um, ironically, this is this was kind of a turning point for me um, in that uh, I really loved everything about that role. I have to be honest, the travel was really hard. At that time, um, I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old when I took that job. Um, I was traveling over 50% of the time, and my husband was doing a nighttime MBA program. So I can honestly say we would not have survived that without the help of, you know, parents that would come in and help with the kiddos, or, you know, we hired a babysitter that would come in a couple of nights a week to, to help. Um, it, it really, it took a village to make all of that really work, you know? Um, yeah, that was so going to be my follow-up question. How did you manage to balance on um, traveling on the job and what advice can you give to people who are considering like traveling or even taking an expat. Yeah, and for me, the biggest lesson I learned there was learn how to ask for help and don't be ashamed to ask for help, right? And so right. I got Asking to a point- It's not a weakness. It's not a weakness. <laughs> um, it actually made us very successful in that whole experience, right? Um, if we hadn't done that, I, I, I don't know how it would have been possible. So. So that's my biggest piece of advice there and trying to balance all of that, you know, but, but three years later, here I was. So, you know, um, at this point I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old somewhere around there. Right. Um, so uh, the marketing director for a business reached out to me um, and asked, Hey, have you ever considered a job in marketing? And I said, no, absolutely not. Like, why would I? I know nothing about business. I've never taken a business class in my life. So I don't even know why you're talking to me about this <laughs> job opportunity. I, I do want to cut in real quick and say it's very funny because me, on the other hand, the last position before I retire, I would love to be in marketing because my I have this like five-year plan of like, it's not really five years, but it's like, different positions that I want to hold, um, hold throughout my career. And like yep. each step of the position relates to the previous and like it grows and build on upon. And marketing is like the first step to meet the consumer, you know? And so that's where I want to end up last. So it's funny how you're saying that like, oh, you don't want to do, you never <laughs> thought about going there where I'm like, that is where I want to end up at the end. <laughs> so to me, that's, that is the real beauty of getting an engineering degree, to be honest. It, it gives you such a strong foundation that it allows you to take your career 
in many different paths, mm -hmm. like the opportunities really are endless, right? And so as you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, I would consider business, I at that point in time was like, no, like I love this technical path and I love working with these pharmaceutical formulations and, and helping these processes work like that. I loved everything about that, right? Um, and, and to me, like even amongst like my friends as we've all, you know, been in industry for a while, I've seen it like the career paths, um, you know, they, you tend to think that a career path just goes from like point A to point B in a straight line. And it's nothing <laughs> like that at all. I mean, they're like lateral moves. And sometimes you like spin and go like you take a step back before you take a step forward. Like, it's very complicated, right? Um, but again, having that solid engineering background is going to give you what you need. It's going to give you that solid footing that's going to allow you to, to move in any direction, right? Which mm -hmm. I experienced, you know, when this marketing director really just bugged me to the point where I was like, okay, fine, you know, I'll, I'll try this marketing role. And um, what he wanted me for is actually a marketing research role, which was the perfect step for me into marketing. Because again, mm -hmm. I had never taken any marketing classes, no business background, nothing, right? But uh, a marketing research is still, you know, there's a lot of an analytical mm -hmm. needs there, right? So it's, it, I was still working with a lot of spreadsheets, comfortable with my numbers, right? As I was dipping my toes into, you know, what does marketing mean and learning the marketing part. And he brought up a really good point that I hadn't considered, right? I never saw myself as a business person, but he saw me as a very strong person that understood our customers because I was working with them day in, day out, understood our products because, again, I had had that R&D experience. I understood our products very well. Um, and so he saw me as someone that had a really good sense of the customer and the market and he's looking at me as someone like the marketing part, I can teach her versus taking a marketing person who may do marketing really well and then trying to teach them like, this is how formulators do drug <laughs> delivery technology, which could be like mind blowing for mm -hmm. someone who doesn't have that technical background, right? So, so he was on a good path there, which I didn't realize at the time, right? But so... So I, I stepped into this marketing research role. I spent an hour, like, a, it was about a year and a half where I was really understanding um, the pharmaceutical products that were really driving the growth of our business. So meaning what types of APIs, what types of active pharmaceuticals were the ones that needed our polymer technology the most, right? Um, and understanding those spaces and so forth. So it was a great experience because obviously I'm still sitting in a marketing role, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I would say the biggest lesson I learned there is to never take yourself out of the game just because you don't check all of the boxes. Because again, I was someone who had never done a business class, had no idea what marketing really entailed. I was taking myself out. Mm -hmm. I was taking myself out. And he really pushed me not to do that and encouraged me to, to, hey, like there's a lot of learning that happens on the job. You don't have to take a class to learn about something. There's a lot that you learn while physically doing the job. And he was absolutely right. So don't take, your, take yourself out of the game. I think we're really good at looking at, you know, 
a list of these are all of the skills I need to have. And, the, you know, if, if it's something you really want to do, and if you, if you match some of the boxes, but not all, it's okay. It's totally worthwhile to go for it. You know, so that would be the lesson on that job switch. Um, so from there, like I said, I did that for a year and a half. Um, and then I started uh, gaining more confidence, uh, better understanding marketing and so forth. So um, I went into different types of commercial marketing type roles. I went into a brand management role, a product management role. Um, and product management, I found to be very much about, you know, the financial health of the business. So a lot of, you know, how do we cut costs? How do we improve margins? Uh, a lot of, you know, the, the financial side. Um, and what I learned in that role is that I didn't love the numbers as much as I loved the people. So I started to feel like I was getting into roles that were very internally focused on, you know, how does this business succeed, which are very important roles. But for me personally, I was missing that customer interaction. I was mm -hmm. missing, you know, some of that travel. I was missing some of that learning experiences of what's happening in the market. Um, and so that's where I made the switch back into strategic marketing where I sit today. Um, so that, you know, those were some of the driving forces where, you know, I said, this is a good experience. I'm learning a lot, but I really want to get back in front of the market um, and in front of customers. And so now I sit in a, like I said, it's a global strategic marketing role. So certainly my fair share of travel uh, around the world, which I really enjoy, you know, I, I'm from South America originally. So I, I love cultures and I, I love, I love all of it. So, um, so that's been really great. That's awesome. As you were telling your um, stories and your experiences and life lessons, I know the audience can't see this, but I've been nodding my head a lot. And at some point, it's like, I feel like we're the same person because like your experiences that you were saying, like, I definitely have felt that have learned that throughout my time. And like, I haven't even quote unquote started my career as like a full-time position. So I'm sure a lot of other students can definitely relate and definitely really appreciate your um, big lessons that you brought out from them. And um, to follow up on um, your transition to marketing. So you mentioned that someone basically like recruited you and to guide you to pursue the marketing side of the business. And um, so for those of us who doesn't really have quote unquote, somebody looking overhead or somebody like, I guess, headhunting us um, for a specific position, um, how do you know when you are ready to take on a new position or accept a new challenge for your future? That's a really good question because those types of opportunities can come your way. There's a couple of ways, right? There's, there's the example that I just showed, right? Where uh, the marketing director really pushed me to try something and get me outside of you know, my comfort zone, which I'm very appreciative of to this day. Um, I keep in touch with him quite a bit. He's been fantastic in my life. Um, and then there are opportunities where, you know, you feel like you've done a lot for that role, for that project, for whatever it is that, you're work that you were working on, and you feel like maybe your growth and your learning is starting to stagnate a little bit, and it's, it's time to make a move, you know? Um, you know, I would say like 
one general rule that I like to follow, and everyone has different comfort levels, right? But I like to, I call it kind of the 50-50 rule in that when I look at a new role potential, I like to go into a role where I feel like about 50% of it, I have a good sense of how to do, or, you know, I have a good sense of that market or a good understanding. And about the other half is something that I'm going to learn along the way, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone has different, I mean, I've seen people take giant leaps where they probably only only knew like 20% of what they were doing, you know, and then they like changed business, changed market, changed company, changed Mm -hmm. role, right? And they just leaped in, um, which is great. I don't have that type of personality. I have the type of personality that I've learned about myself that I like to feel like I'm contributing back relatively quickly versus Mm. spending too much time learning. Um, And if, if I feel like I'm spending too much time and I'm not contributing back, I get very, it's just very aggravating. I get nervous. Like it's, it's just not how I operate. Right. And so I know my personal comfort is like that 50, 50 zone. Some other people may feel like, you know what? you know, I really love, I don't know, process engineering. And so if I'm going to take another role, I'm going to do this, but slightly different, you know, so you kind of have to learn a little bit about yourself and and how comfortable you are making leaps, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, finding that right time to make that change will vary from person to person significantly, right? So I know folks that have worked in the plant and, you know, they may have, they have, they may have changed, you know, which plants they're working at or the roles that they're doing and things like that, but they've stayed in those roles for like 20 years because they love it. Great. You know, I know people that almost every three years, like clockwork, they're looking for a new job, you know? So, everyone has a different level of comfort, but I challenge everybody. I challenge everybody. Like whenever things start getting too comfortable, it's time to start thinking like, you know, maybe is it time for me to, to keep learning Mm -hmm. somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so given that you've hold multiple different positions in multiple different areas, a lot of the times, people say that you learn 90% of the job on the job while 10% is um, from your academics. So how much of the Penn State education has it prepared you for your roles and positions at these companies? So I I have to be honest, you're talking to an ardent uh, Penn State fan here Um, and not for athletics. Um, I, Ironically, when I was in school, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area, and I never really pictured myself going to Penn State. Um, And there was something about Penn State that, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Penn State. Uh, I think Penn State prepared me far beyond better than I expected uh, Mm -hmm. coming out. Uh, so number one, the the strong, you know, fundamental technical background. I mean, yeah, like these these classes are no joke, right? And so I can assure you, if you if you survive your classes, I promise you, you're gonna survive work, right? Like you're you're gonna co- come out of work and be like, okay, I get this, I know what's happening, right? Like so, that strong technical foundation was 
was amazing. Um, secondly, the other thing that maybe I didn't put enough value on as a student, but now I really understand is the Penn State community and the network mm -hmm. and the alumni. So there's something really funny that happens. Like whenever you meet another Penn Stater, I, I like to say it's like immediate family. I don't know what it is, like complete stranger, but you're like, you're a Penn Stater too. And like, it's an automatic connection, you know? And that has been amazing because it's not until you go out into industry that you start to realize how many Penn State engineers are out there. It is insane. Um, and every company I've worked with, you know, I mean, like, it's amazing. Penn State engineers are everywhere. So the, con the connectivity and, and the desire to help each other that happens in the Penn State community, outstanding. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the third level for me, I would say, you know, I came in through a, a scholarship from, um, it's called the Bunton Waller Scholarship uh, that comes from the Multicultural Engineering Program. And so I was very tied to um, MEP. I was very tied to WEP, Women in Engineering Program. Um, and, you know, maybe I, I didn't understand, you know, how crucial the lessons learned there would be, but having those discussions, those open discussions about what it's like to be the only one in the room, What's what it's like to be the only female in a room, what it's like to be the only Latina in a room, right? And in and, and talking about it in a way that prepares you emotionally for that, um, I, I will say that was very valuable, very beneficial. And I am, I, I'm so, so um, grateful for all those experiences and all those things that, you know, the MEP and WEP offices provided to me that um, actually for the last 12 years, I've sat on the board for the outreach and inclusion office. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I give back as much as I can because I, I really believe that the work they're doing is very important. Um, and it really, really helps, you know, with confidence levels and so forth mm -hmm. for underrepresented students. It's mm -hmm. crucial work. Most definitely, I can echo that for sure. And then I know this is very common for people of our age, but have you ever felt the imposter syndrome? And if you have, how what have you done to overcome this? Um, I don't know many people who haven't felt the imposter syndrome. Um, I think some people may not be as willing to admit it, right? Mm -hmm. But I experienced the imposter syndrome very early on. I mean, coming out of high school, you know, I was, you know, top of the class in high school. And then I come to Penn State and, you know, I'll admit I was probably, you know, like a little, a little too high on myself. And then, but like suddenly you're, you're surrounded by a lot of other really smart students. And you're like, holy moly. Okay. Like I'm, I'm not as the smartest in the room anymore. Absolutely not. You know? Um, and then the same happens when you go into the workplace. Um, you work with some phenomenal scientists and engineers that you're like, wow, this, these people are incredible, you know? Um, so, so I think what I've learned throughout all of this is, you know, I, I may never become CEO of my company. I may never have, you know, a hundred patents granted under my name and so forth, right? Um, but that's not what I bring to the table. And so 
you have to stop comparing yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. The best comparison you can do is really comparing yourself to yourself and how much, how much have you grown personally, right? Um, and how much do you feel like you're contributing? You know, what type of a, of a team player are you for, you know, whatever business organization, wherever it is that you end up working or, you know, whatever, whatever you're looking at from that perspective. Um, you know, and, and look at how to continue to succeed, right? Because ultimately you are the only you that there is out there. And so you bring a unique set of talents and skills. And so, you know, I may not be that person who I'm kind of comparing myself to, but I'm bringing something else to the table, right? And so imposter syndrome is very hard to overcome. It's, there is no simple form, formula or algorithm that I can give you that says, hey, if you do these three things, you're going to beat it, right? Because to this day, I have moments where I'm like, oh, wait, like, really? Am I really the right person for, you know, this project or whatnot? Um, but again, it, you, you have to step outside of that and, and really stop comparing yourself to others. That's the best advice I can give right. on that. Because I, I know for me, I think of it as like, you only experience this because you're uncomfortable. Um, and like, you're put into a new situation that you're kind of forced to learn new things and develop new habits to learn and all that and like for me my advice that I give to my um, mentees is like to accept it and like embrace that you don't know anything and that way your mindset has that like mindset of like oh I don't know anything I need to know everything so then like going forward you kind of challenge yourself to get to know as much as you can in as little time as you can especially during like internships that's important because our time there is already shortened so and then kind of going off of that um on a different level have you ever been in a job position where you did not like your job or what you did but you were really good at it yeah I found this question to be really interesting I don't think anyone's ever asked me a question like that before um yeah, um, I have been in a situation like that, right? So as we talked a little bit about all these different jobs and experiences that I had, um, that role that I had that was on product management, and it was very heavily focused on, on the numbers and meeting the numbers and working with sales and working with operations and all of that, um, I really did not enjoy that role as much as I thought I might. Um, and I was doing it well, right? And so uh, no one, uh, no one knew that I was kind of miserable in that role. I was like, "This isn't me," you know. And um, and so what I learned out of that experience is that there is there is a a price on happiness. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, everyone's different, but for me personally, you know, doing a role that. Um, even though I was good at it, I, I really wasn't enjoying it. I, I needed to get myself out of that. Um, and so uh, about, you know, maybe a year into that role, I gave it a chance, right? You can't mm -hmm. walk into a job and two months later be like, do not like this. No, you, you got right. to give it a fair <laughs> shot, right? So after about a year, I, or I had started creating a plan of, you know, what do I want to do next? What types of roles do I want to look at? And, and how do I get myself out of this situation and, and look for, you know, another role that, that would make me happier? Again, 
at that point in time, I wanted to be more customer facing versus so internally focused. Um, and, and I did it, you know, so, so I don't know. Um, some people may enjoy just being good at a job because then it's less work, right? Uh, but I personally, I, I like to be tied and, and feel like there's that purpose and, you know, I'm really happy with the work that I'm doing. And so that just, it didn't work for me. I needed to get out of there. Right. Okay. I just, I know it's very common and I know a lot of people like don't like to speak up about it because it's like, oh, it's what I have to do. It's my job kind of thing. But um, there's people who've taken classes with um, Professor Monte Alger. Um, he's relatively new. So I don't know. You probably won't know. I don't know. Um, but he shares like this image, which is uh, three circles and it has like different overlapping areas. The one circle is about um, doing what you're passionate for. The other circle is about um, making the most money. And then I forget what the last one is. I'll have to show you, but then like you can never find a point where like you can have all three of them together because that's very, very rare in someone's career. And so like, he's like, just find two of them and be happy with it and then move on with your life about it. So, but yeah, this is an interesting question because I know whenever I was um, a sophomore, I definitely asked a couple of like the seniors and even alumni about it because like I, my first internship, it didn't really speak to me as much. It was my first ever internship in the manufacturing world, let alone with all the reactors and everything. And like before that, I've only taken material balance and fluids and thermal one. And like everything that I did on the job was PNIDs and heat exchangers, something that I never touched upon in class. And so I didn't really enjoy it that much. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is just like, I'm just walking around the plant trying to buy time because I had no idea what I was doing. So that's where that question uh, came upon, but. Yeah, right. but I, I also I also don't want to, I think your professor is, is right on, right? It's very mm -hmm. hard to find like the perfect job that you're 100%, like there will be things about every job that you do that you're not going to like, right? right? Like you, you may like the majority of the work, but then I don't know if you don't like to write reports. Well, guess what? You're probably gonna have to write a report at some point, right? Like, so there, there are aspects of a job that you like aspects that you don't, you know? Um, but I also encourage people to give things a shot, right? And so like your internship experience, I tend to look at that as being invaluable because now you're able to cross things off your list. And again, you, with that technical background, you are able to go so many different directions. You're, you can at least say to yourself, you know what, like that type of manufacturing job is not the type of job that I want to do. Right. So, so it's good to have bad experiences that allow you to start crossing things off your list. Right. So for example, out of this product management role, like I said, I realized I like the people more than I like the numbers, right? Which definitely takes me off track of like any type of, you know, CFO, CEO role ever in my life, but I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that decision because I've tried it and it's mm -hmm. not, it's not my cup of tea, right? So. Right. But yeah, so this is the image that um, he shares basically the first day of class. It's um, doing what you love, doing what you're good at, and then what pays well. And I encourage all of our listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Um, it'll definitely be there. But 
yeah, he always um, refers, has students to refer to this and ask them like, do, do they really wanna go into the position that they wanna be in for the future? And is it on the right track of their ultimate goal in life of what they wanna do? Yeah, totally. All right, to close off, um, two pieces of advice. The first one would be, what advice would you give someone who is starting the chemical engineering major or journey? Um, and so this is a piece of advice that um, I give to a lot of high school students too. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I think everyone has experienced this at some point or another, but um, just because something feels hard, it doesn't mean you weren't meant to do it. Mm -hmm. So chemical engineering is tough. Let's be honest. Uh, you will have tests that you like full out bomb and fail. Like I actually was cleaning out an old box and I ran into a test that I got a 40 out of a hundred on and I saved it. Cause I'm like, someday I need to show my daughter. <laughs> like she's going to come home. She's going to feel like disappointed about something or other. And I need to have this handy and be like, listen, we all have our moments. It's okay. Right. So engineering is hard. It just is. It takes practice. It takes time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, you know, sometimes we think that if we're really good at something, it should just come naturally to us and we right. should just be able to get a hundred on it, like without even opening a book. And that's not the reality of engineering, right? So because something feels hard, doesn't mean you weren't meant to do it. So, you know, keep at it. Mm -hmm. The other piece of advice I have, which I talked about a little earlier is any hands-on experience you can get is golden. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's doing some undergraduate research or getting your hands on an internship, co-op, any, anything that kind of allows you to experience what it's like to do, you know, a chem chemical engineering role or whatever, um, really meaningful because what you learn in the classroom is important, but a lot of it is based on, you know, theories and so forth. You're going to use all of this, but sitting in a classroom doesn't give you a sense of exactly what that job feels like day in, day out. Right. What will give you that is that co-op and internship. And again, if you have a co-op that you hate, great. Cause now you can be like, okay, that is not the kind of job that I want. Right. So I need to I find something that too. else. Right. Like it's, it's great to have a co-op that you hate, honestly. Right. If you have a co-op that you love even better, cause then when you graduate, you're like, okay, you're talking to recruiters and I'm looking for this type of role. Right. Mm -hmm. So no experience is bad experience. Um, you know, at this point in life in college, um, anything that you can get your hands on is worthwhile. I want to echo off of both of the things that you just said. Um, so most recently about, because like, I think that as a student, like you have just your title as a student. And I think that a lot of times we should use it more to our advantage. And a lot through life is like, we ultimately, I feel like most of us don't really know what we like or um, what we enjoy the most doing just because there's so many endless possibilities and we don't live long enough on earth to experience all of that um, experiences. So like most of it to me at least is determining what you don't like and try to avoid all of that, um, especially during like your career or even like your personal um, experiences. But the second thing I do wanna echo was about the exams. Um, I totally relate to that. And I feel like um, at least in the engineering department and I'm, I can speak of like other engineering departments as well. Like it's 
it seems as if they redefine the grading scale once we're in the major and they, like I remember getting my first like 50 on an exam and I, I legit cried and I was just like this isn't me like what did I do wrong but then like looking at the averages and I'm just like oh everybody did that it's okay we'll move on <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell everyone you, you're going to have a moment, like no matter, mm. you know, how smart you are. Um, and I always, I, so one of my older brothers, I always say he's the smartest because he really, I mean, he really is. He's like a human calculator. Um, and uh, I would joke with him, like, you know, you have no idea. You've never experienced. And even he was like, oh yeah, I had a test that I absolutely bombed. I had no time to study for it, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like it happens. It like, I was like, wow, if it happens to him, it literally happens to everyone, everyone, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's going to have a bad experience. Don't let that define you. Right, exactly. And then um, last question to close off is what advice would you give to students who are just graduating and starting their full-time position? Yeah, so, um, you know, an interesting thing that I see with like younger employees coming in and so forth uh, they love to do this thing called networking, which feels like it's a very superficial way of trying to connect with people. Um, and uh, it's really important to get to know people, right? Like when you join the company, absolutely. Um, but focus more on building relationships versus mm -hmm. networking in a way of, you know, this person could help me get my next job right? Don't, don't make it all about yourself. Really like focus on building relationships because I always get this question about, you know, like talk to me about some of your mentors and so forth. I, I have to be honest, I haven't had like set mentors throughout my career, but what I have had has been like really strong relationships with, with people that allow for mentoring opportunities, right? So whether that's mm -hmm. over lunch or coffee or whatever, it allows me to ask these questions that allow them to provide advice and, and quote unquote mentor in a way without you know being an assigned mentor or anything like that. Um, so building relationships is, is really important and it's really key. The other thing, um, I, I like to give this example because this was like within my first month of work. Um, my supervisor at the time, he gave me this challenging uh, thing to solve, basically. He's like, listen, we need to, uh, you know, you need to look at, you know, the size of this reactor, blah, 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 blah. Like he gave me all these parameters, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but we can only fill it like a third of the way, blah, 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 like, like boom, 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 boom. And he's like, okay, like go figure it out. Let me know, you know, what we need to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked on that for three days. And I was like ripping my hair out because I was like, man, like I'd get close to an answer and I'd be like, well, but he didn't tell me, you know, and I'd just go back and forth, back mm -hmm. and forth, like three days, he left me drowning. So then on the fourth day, he came by my office. He's like, how's that coming? And I was like, oh, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm struggling. And he's like, do you see this guy that works in this desk right next to you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what I asked you to do he does day in, day out for a living. He's like, you don't have to know how to do everything yourself. The most important lesson is ask for help when you need it. 
Because mm-hmm. if you had reached out to him, you sit right next to him. If you had reached out and just asked for help, even on a portion of this problem that I asked you to solve, this would have been done the first day, right? And I was like, wow, powerful stuff. Like, I just thought I needed to do it all myself because that's what we do in high school and that's what we do in college. You have to know the material yourself, right? But when you go out in the real world, it's definitely more collaborative um, and learn how to utilize your team in asking for help. It's okay to ask for help, right? Um, And then the last piece of advice that I have that I think goes for both uh, students going into their majors as well as uh, students, you know, starting their careers. Um, Don't forget to pay it forward. So at some point in time, somebody has helped you out, um, has helped answer your questions or whatever, right? Um, And you've been able to learn from that and grow from that and, and you've been able to benefit in a way. And you may never see some of those people again, and you may never be able to thank them 20 years down the road and be like, oh my gosh, you were right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you should have done X, Y, Z. But um, the best thing that you can do is to pay it forward. And you need to serve as that role model, mentor, whatever it is um, for the next generation, right? So never, as you're moving forward, never forget to look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and do a check-in and see who are your fellow teammates, colleagues, classmates um, that you can help pull, pull forward with you. Awesome. Those are great advice, uh, especially utilizing the teams. As this year, I'm um, the AKI president, and so that is something that I know I've been up for the challenge um, to know the strengths and weaknesses of all of my different officers and kind of place them into um, different roles um, because of COVID, like all of our roles are a little bit different than normal. And so definitely see that, but thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you and hearing about your experiences. I'm sure a lot of students can definitely relate to um, what you've had to share and and emphasize on all the lessons that um, you have learned throughout your career. And then they'll probably take it into their um, personal and professional developments in the future. Um, I do want to open up to you if you wanted to add anything else um, before we officially close out. No, um, I think uh, I think you have my information, right? So I am happy to connect with any students. Like I said, uh, if you're a Penn Stater, you're already part of my family. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Watch Me STEM. Um, so I, I'd be happy to answer any more questions. Um, you know, I, I, I love connecting with, uh, with students. So please feel free to reach out. All right. Awesome. I'll see you guys next week.